Hi there, professionals. Thanks for joining me on my new exciting podcast series, Industry Insights with me, DPDS. This series will take a look at stories from entertainment industry professionals from all sectors of the industry. It will be compiled with various levels of experience and will really indulge in a journey of their careers and utilize their stories and experience to help influence current professionals in the industry or total newcomers wanting to get into the industry. If you are new here, thanks for joining us. I'm grateful to have you listening. If you enjoy the episode, please consider subscribing connect our community across social media for those that have been here before welcome back here's what we've got in store for you today well hello hello good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you might be in the big wide world and welcome back to industry insights with me dpds i am very very excited uh, for our guest today we're in for a real treat um, a very long friend of mine uh, and also was a colleague back in the day um, so i'm going to welcome on to the show uh, writer and actor zoe lister welcome to industry insights hello that was such a nice welcome thank you for having me Thanks for joining us. How's everything going? It's going okay. I mean, we're all in this hell zone, but it's fine. I am actually working at the moment, which I'm very, very grateful for. There was a big period of nothing, <laughs> but yeah. now things have sort of tick- ticking along a little bit. So yes, happy. Good. That's great. Well, I'm really excited for you to be on the show and um, talk about your career because you've had such an amazing career and a, quite a varied career uh, to where you started out to what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to give some, uh, you know, insights and some stories um, about your journey. And then anyone that's, you know, looking to either get into acting or, or writing. Um, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that process and how that all happens and magic comes alive and then we, we we watch things on tv i'm sure some people are a bit unsure of how that all that happens i think we just take it for granted we switch on things or we go to a theater we watch and it just happens without knowing quite how it, we got there yeah definitely it does uh, but there's lots that happens behind the scenes as you know dazzle <laughs> yeah lots. oh no one's called me that for years dazzle i sorry <laughs> <laughs> thanks zoe um <laughs> She used to call me Dazzle. Now, me and Zoe know each other from, uh, it's, we were just talking about this before we started the interview, like 20 years ago. Oh, my word. Um, I think next year we were on a, a contract together, which we'll talk about in a bit, and that, that's how we know each other. But 20 years, I that know. is insane. It's impossible, but time flies. But time flies, but also lots has happened in that 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know. But you you still at the same. So I don't I don't know what you're doing. But the wheels are starting to fall off, Darren. They really are. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So let's let's start from uh the top. So if you can I kind of said what you're doing now and, and what your profession is, but just talk to us a little bit about what that current job role is profession. Um I know we're in that COVID, but like I so say, you're still kind of working uh thankfully at the moment and what sector that falls in uh, within the arts. Yeah, well, I'm working in TV at the moment, which thankfully is um, ticking along. I'm a writer on Hollyoaks, um, amongst other things. I have written on other shows, but Hollyoaks is uh, my main sort of uh, bread and butter. And the, the place that I've, I, I actually started on Hollyoaks um, years ago as an actor, and I was on it for a few years. And then I sort of seeged into writing a few years later. Um, so, yeah, I've been writing on the show and we've been filming it with social distancing you know, it's not the show that it should be. Uh, right. It's it's kind of a bit odd. Like they, no, we're not really allowed no, to use props. There's no, there's there's no famous parachute jumps. <laughs> there's no famous parachute jumps at the moment. Yeah, there's no there's no touching, no kissing, no punching each other. There's yeah. just uh, walking and talking and Maybe. things happening. <laughs> but it's still it's it's surviving. It's it's doing really well. We've had like COVID births covid weddings yeah. already so you know it's it's doing really well and that's amazing that you've been able to do that and adapt and everybody i suppose from production to creative to the actors to be able to navigate and change the way that they're used to working that that must have been interesting yeah, it's incredible and um, we we were all stood down for quite a few months while they sort of sorted everything out um and luckily this lockdown you know we filming is still allowed I think the government realized that people really need television at the moment (laughs) nothing else to do so um, (laughs) and they need new content so yeah we've been allowed to film oh my goodness we have found out 
this week that we we really do need television. But our toddler, who is three, smashed the television this week, Darren. Oh, no. Yeah. She was in a bit of a grump, which I completely understand. We all are really at the moment. And she sort of threw her water cup in the air. And as it landed, it just dinked the screen. Oh, no. And then, yeah, we've got what no was she, what, what was she watching? She was watching Hey Dougie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe she doesn't like it anymore. That's I know, what it is. Maybe so that's have it. you managed to get another television? Not yet. We've got one on order. Yeah. Yeah. But wow. it's not here for another few days. <laughs> Ooh, well, hopefully you've got some t- tablets or something that you can watch yeah, something on. Something, something. So you mentioned um, you, you uh, for anyone listening, uh, Zoe was, uh, like I say, in Hollyoaks, was famous for a character who played the same name as well, uh, yeah. just changed her surname, Zoe Carpenter in Hollyoaks. Yeah. Um, and you did that for a few years and then obviously crossed over into writing as well. So I think it's really going to be interesting to talk about. Um, I know I'd like to ask you kind of where you began in the entertainment industry. So talking about education and training yeah. um, and how you started off. And we talk about, I think, you talk about you were a singer and dancer and actor at the same time, but how that progressed into, say, live theatre to television uh, and then to writing. So, yeah, go back and, and tell us about the beginning. Start at the beginning. Well, the beginning really was um, me desperate to be in this industry, not having a clue how to go about it. All I knew, I mean, this is you know there was the internet but it's not the internet as we know now you you can't there wasn't like loads of information uh, accessible to us was there sort of 20 years ago so um I I just knew that I probably needed to go to drama school and that is what I knew (laughs) but um (laughs) good start yeah yeah so I was auditioning and um and I had a couple of places but I didn't have funded places and back then you're looking at sort of about 10,000 pound fees per year to go which is a lot more than it is now. I mean, it's a lot of money now, but back then it was even more. And also, if you didn't have a funded place, you um, were not eligible for a student loan either. So it was just completely not going to happen if I didn't have a funded place, and I didn't. So then I was like, oh, now what am I going to do? So I had a year out just sort of working and, and doing, you know, flapping about a bit. And then I sort of auditioned again. And the same thing happened. I got places, but I didn't have funded places. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do now. And then um, got the stage newspaper. Yeah, the I think I remember I had a subscription. It was like, I think it was 90p to start with back then yes. or, or £1.10 or something like that. And I used to get it weekly from the, the news agent. Oh, I felt uh, like such a treat. It felt like it was a win- yeah. window into this world of, of which I wanted to be a part of. And, uh, and they had the auditions in there, didn't they? Yeah, and, it was like a go- golden ticket every week. Yeah, it's like, what, what could I go for? And I didn't live in London. I lived sort of in the Midlands. Um, so even to go to London for auditions, and stuff was a bit sort of a bit of a hassle and an effort and you know right. money and everything um but the uh, an audition in, was in there for butlins singers yeah. and dancers needed and I was like oh my god this this could be it and um and I went down for the auditions and it went quite well and I was like oh this is really fun I met loads of fun people who were auditioning in the queue I was like this is great then there was more auditions and yeah got the part of got Mimi part. <laughs> in the children's stage, uh, singing and dancing for a job, which I couldn't believe. And that's where I met you, Darren. And yeah, the rest that's of right. And we both went through that process. So, uh, you know, the stage is still around and yes, it still has castings uh, and things that you can find. But like say for us every week, we would get, I think it was a Thursday, it would come out. Yes. And all the companies would post their auditions in there. And, you know, this is the mag- uh, the paper that, you know, at the time was for uh, forming uh, the Spice Girls and all these boy bands and things. And we'd be like, yes, I'm going to be a pop star. <laughs> did you go I'm to, gonna- did you go to um, pop? pop band auditions because I definitely did yeah (laughs) used to be there all the time with my my curtains my baggy combat pants and a a tight black top and thought I was the bee's knees yeah um but yeah we we both auditioned for for butlins and um like say you got the role of Mimi and I had the role of uh, a character called Mr Kundra um and we were the Skyline gang um there there was eight of us eight eight characters yeah 
Yeah. And it was like a magical mystery journey of these characters uh, and the kids just loved it. And I suppose it was, I was eight, was I 18? I think you were 19. I was yeah, 18 yeah. around the time. Um, and yeah, we, we I was like of our lives though, didn't we? I mean, we yeah. were just like, just left home or I don't know about you, but I just left home and I felt like I'm not at university. All my friends are at university, but this is way better than university I'm getting paid just to yeah. have the time of my life and sing and dance and I just oh it was amazing so you got that job and you went yeah. there tell us a little bit about what the process was on when you got that first professional contract what were the rehearsals like um, you know the the accommodation what did it entail and, and how much did you perform and who were you performing to so um the the auditions, I think, happened in London and then they went down to Bognor where there was more dance calls and singing calls and everything. And they were trying to tropical place. people up. Bognor. Tropical. Yeah. I mean, everyone's <laughs> going to be aware of this this year because no one's getting out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> Bognor's a place to go. Um, Bognor's the new Ibiza. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, uh, yeah. Rehearsals. I remember it was something like, weren't they about six weeks long? Yeah, and we and we learned sort of like eight um, shows, quite a few shows, um, and it was singing, dancing, and acting because they were sort of like mini sort of musicals, I suppose, but aimed right. at children. So we all had our very specific characters. Um, Mimi, I decided for some reason she was from California, so I had to keep up this American accent. <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember. I remember that accent. Yeah, yeah, it was. It definitely floated around a bit. <laughs> you would actually look at us every now and you deliver a line, and they look like I'm not sure if that was the right. Yeah, accent. that was <laughs> amazing. Right. Um, but yeah, we we rehearsed with all the other casts from um, the different Butlin sites. So there was three sites: Skegness classic yeah. place, uh, Minehead, where, where we were at, and um, Bognor Regis, and we all rehearsed together and just had this wonderful time. And we were put up in accommodation at Butlin's. It was quite reasonable accommodation at the time, wasn't it? The, the rehearsal accommodation. Then we, yes. were, then we went to Minehead, which we were, that's where we were actually going to live and perform. And then we were shown our accommodation there and we were like, what is this? <laughs> I, think, I think we used to call them um, sheds. Yes, we did. They got demolished, didn't they, the year after because they were just uninhabitable. But somehow we lived there. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I think they were OK when we were there, maybe. But um, I just remember it kind of being like a, a little studio shed. You had like a kitchen and a lounge and the two bedrooms and a, and a bathroom, which we shared with. Right. Yes, exactly. And the fish finger beds. Do you remember those? Yes. I mean, I did not fit on those beds at all. <laughs> it was like a camp bed and just the size of a fish finger. Very narrow. And, and I remember um, every every so often somebody would be like, I've got the lowdown, I've got the scoop, somebody's got a double bed going. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. Bed. And we used to be neighbours, uh, like right next to each other. So it was quite convenient. Yeah. I would just come, come and annoy you. It was great. It was great. Happiest time ever. So that was that. And then the, the, like we've spoke about the show and it was performing to, you know, I suppose like any holiday centre in the UK is, is receiving thousands of guests per week. And you're seeing different audiences all the time. Um, so I suppose that for us kept it fresh and exciting throughout the, the contract. Yeah, I think it did. I think it did. And um, there was different seasons as well. So Halloween would learn a whole new set of routines and it was really wonderful time actually wasn't it and the routines and new costumes and everything they were great yeah. and then um and then we also did Christmas as well and there's new shows again and they they were just magical because it was Christmas everyone's very happy yeah they I, I really enjoyed I remember the the Halloween and the Christmas shows I felt like we learned them very fast and we still didn't really know the words on the day of the show but oh, that no. made it even more fun I never knew any of the Halloween words at all <laughs> 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 and and lots of the words have been sort of substituted for like ghosty kind of words. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't think of any examples now, but there was like classic songs that you'd know with Halloween yeah. words. Yeah, I remember. I loved them. So you got to, that was your first job and, and that role was utilising your skills as a, a singer, dancer and actor, I suppose what we call in, in the industry these days as a triple threat um, within live theatre, you can do everything. Um, and how did that, obviously, you didn't get to go to the drama school that you wanted, but I know that you'd done some training. I believe it was at the Starlight School of Dance. Yeah, was, that was my dance school that I'd been to since I was like tiny. I just went every week and we'd, um, you know, did all ballet, tap, 
modern jazz we did everything and every year we'd do a big pantomime show um yeah which was great and in latter years I was I was always the lead Darren (laughs) (laughs) of course calling um (laughs) so yeah yeah that's kind of where it all began that's as far as you had really like a, a foundation of training so what do you think that you took away from that first contract of just being in thrown in getting to do everything sing dance and act um how did that help you you know, craft what you what you wanted to continue to do? I think it helped because I was like, well, I can definitely do this. I, I've been employed as all of these things. And um, I think it just gave me the confidence rather than anything else because I hadn't been to, to drama school. And I did, I did really carry that stigma for a while, I think. I just thought, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be taken seriously or, you know, but I, but I did have that sort of injection of confidence just from having been employed. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody listening to this? Because uh, it's a situation that happens for a lot of people who want to be in the industry. Uh, you know, financially, sometimes it's not uh, feasible to go to a, a drama school or a renowned school um, because of the cost or maybe your situation. Um, and you still want to be in the art. So I think listening to maybe your story and mine is similar. Um, you still can get experience and you still can be taken uh, into the industry but do you feel there is sometimes stigma with not having to say a name drama school or uh, musical theatre school on your your resume yeah um I think it depends it really depends I think there is a stigma I think mainly I felt the stigma it was just from myself just feeling like a bit of a fraud which is definitely right. a feeling that I've had my entire career I still have now <laughs> um <laughs> so maybe that's just my personality um but yeah I I just think having the backing of knowing that you've had the training must go a really long way in terms of your self-confidence and where you might, you know, you might be okay yeah. with that. Self-confidence is a long, it's, it's, it's a big deal. I think it's the main thing. But I think the takeaway is it's not, it, it's not necessarily going to stop you having a career in the entertainment industry. No, there cause... are jobs to be found. There really are where, um, you know, if you've got the talent and, you know, the drive, then you can, you can, get those jobs for sure yeah yeah and and I think that you know you you did that job and then obviously you moved into television um and then when you did move away from um your role in Hollyoaks you then went on to do you know back to kind of live theatre you did some comedy stuff and then you also I I think I remember you did um Lady Macbeth as well uh you know the Royal Court in Liverpool which is again a massive contrast to to Hollyoaks and what you've done um and it's that's for me, showing that you you're a great all round uh, actor. Thanks, babes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the way that you've just explained my career makes it sound way more impressive than it uh, feels, <laughs> because there was definitely huge gaps where uh, <laughs> not a lot happened, and I was waitressing and um, doing children's parties and temping. Yeah, so go 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 back to, obviously I've, I've gone over that quickly, go back to you finished that first job yeah. that you've done and then what what did you do? You went out to the big world of the entertainment industry. Talk us through uh, about your time in London and all yes. of that. Well, after um, Butlins, I moved down to London and just thought, let's give this a go. Um, didn't know what I was doing at all. <laughs> I was like, okay, I've, <laughs> I've worked at Butlins. Where does that get me? <laughs> Um, and I, I knew that I actually wanted to be more of an actor rather than a singer and a dancer. I thought I, I can sing and dance. I can definitely do those things. But I don't think realistically I'm good enough for the West End or, you know, and I, I really loved acting. And, and I thought this is probably more where my talents lie and where I'm um, likely to get more work. <clears throat> I didn't get loads of work. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Um, not to start yeah, with. No, not to start with. So I, I decided to, to go for drama school again, um, glutton for punishment. And and meanwhile, I was going for other little auditions. I actually did get into a pop band, Darren. I got into a pop band yes, called The Love Hearts. You did. I remember. <laughs> I was so jealous. I was like, damn it. made it. Um, yeah, it was very short-lived. Two boys, two girls, dance routines. We were like kind of steps, that kind of... Um, did you have a, a recording contract? 
or were you just kind of uh, put together in the hope to then get that? Yeah, we had, um, no, we didn't have a recording contract. We had some songs and I think they were trying to get them published. The producers were trying to get them yeah. out there, but I think we just sort of missed the boat for one reason or another. It just, it wasn't really a time to... for the Love Hearts. The Love Hearts. I would love <laughs> I would love to hear a demo of the Love Hearts. So would I. I've lost the CD. And it was just slightly before kind of, you know, everything's on video. You can't find any ev evidence of it anywhere, which is maybe a good thing. But <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, so you did the Love Hearts. Did the Love Hearts. Uh, yes. Then I was auditioning for drama schools again. Um, and actually, by this point, they'd changed the system so that it, the co they'd made the courses degree courses which meant that if you got on then it would just it's, it cost the same amount as going to university basically so that was yeah. great <clears throat> and um I remember I was on the reserve list for Bristol Old Vic which was really exciting because I desperately wanted to go there and then I went on a little sort of four week five week jaunt to Panama traveling and it was really good oh and in this in this time sorry I should say that I had managed to get myself an agent in London purely yeah. by luck I mean literally <laughs> I'd served this guy um a burger at the restaurant I was working at and we got chatting because you were working in Covent, yeah. Gar Covent Garden yes. right I remember yeah. you were there once you came to visit me in Maxwell after some audition like depressed yeah. give me a burger yeah. <laughs> where's the wine <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah I'd, I'd met my agent uh while working as a waitress in a cocktail bar quite literally um and yeah he was just starting out on his own and we got chatting and he just sort of took a chance and said well <laughs> do you want me to represent you just based on this one chat which is incredibly lucky and I was like yes please I think I had signed up with another agency but they were more they weren't very good to be honest right. so I was with an agency but nothing was going on and um I think I didn't that's amazing that 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 happened at work I know I know it's really really lucky and I did he, he there wasn't loads of auditions all of a sudden there was a couple but what happened was on the way back from this little traveling thing I'd done I just checked my messages I was due to get home from my little traveling session, but then basically the day after go straight off to France for a week with my friend, Ellie, and we'd sort of plan this just to have a proper hangout with one another. But on the way back from Panama, all the flights had been delayed. I was home a day late. And basically I had this um, sort of dilemma at Victoria Station. I can either go straight to France when I've not been home yet, change, repacked, all of that, <laughs> or I just knock France on the head and just go home. And I decided to just knock France on the head and go home because I was a bit tired of traveling. I, I didn't have time to, yeah. had all the wrong clothes, all of that. So I went home and then I check my messages on my phone and I've got a message from my agent saying, Zoe, there's a Hollyoaks audition for you tomorrow in London. And basically oh, wow. if I'd gone to France, I wouldn't have done that audition and I would not have got the role of Zoe Carpenter in Hollyoaks. So wow. yeah, bit of luck there. Yeah, because you were not the best at checking messages and things like that, right? Yeah. Still, I mean, it's still, still similar. Yeah, still <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an that's just like amazing fate, yeah. right? And it sounds it sounds like the story is really easy, but I remember, you know, being in that kind of time with you, and we were all auditioning, we were all traveling to London. I didn't live in London, you did, and I remember I used to come and stay with you um, and just be on the couch. And then I think you moved somewhere else, and I had a I got a, a job. I think with P&O or something like that. And I had to rehearse in London, um, but I needed somewhere to live for six weeks. And I think I was on your couch for a little bit, um, traveling to rehearsal. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I just remember, and I kind of want to ask you about this, that, you know, working in London, being an actor, aspiring actor, trying to get work. Um, what was that really like? Like the re reality of that? Um, it was really hard. Working every it day. It was really, really hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, not really earning enough money to kind of do anything beyond pay your rent and feed yourself. <laughs> really, that is the reality of living in London. I think. Um, yeah. What What advice would you give to actors in London that are, are trying to do what you did, the same route? You know, going to not not right now, but um, you know, when we're back up and running full time. What advice would you give them with hurdles that you face, maybe financially or just being in the hustle and bustle of trying to, you know, get an audition and, and get a job? I, the advice I would give is it, it might be a bit contradictory. 
and feel a bit negative, but I don't think it is. My advice would be if it's feeling really difficult, it's okay to stop. It's okay to stop right. banging on all those doors and it's not failure because you've got so many skills from being in this industry anyway. You can apply them to loads of other things. And do you know what? All those other things that you might do could easily segue back into performing somehow. You know, there are different ways that your uh, career could go. And the way that yeah. you want it to go is obviously the the sort of bang, bang, bang way, which is really successful. And, <laughs> you know, you're getting the TV jobs, you're booking the um, the contracts. But a lot of people want that as well. And there just might be another path for you. Um, whether it's making your own work, I think that is key. If you can make your own work, if you can write your own stuff, if you can put your own shows together, do that. Like definitely do that because yeah. um, by doing that, you're just getting yourself out there and getting your name known, you're learning so much, um, whether that be, because you'll probably end up producing your own thing and, you know, learning all, all these new skills. So I think just don't, don't just wait for the phone to ring and feel really sad when things aren't happening. You can make your own work or just have a yeah. little break from it and just say, you know what, I'm going to try something else. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think we actually have been talking that about this point with quite a few of my guests. And I think the the big thing that comes from it is perseverance. And um, also as an entertainer these days or wanting to be in the arts is to keep your options open and try and, do as much as you can, because like you say, you, there's so many different avenues and you could go one way, but then come back the other. Um, and it all kind of interlinks and it's one big industry, maybe different sectors, but they have a, you know, a general theme that you can, you can adapt your skills and talent yeah, to. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so, I mean, that amazing story. Panama did go to France, suddenly have this Hollyoaks audition. Um, tell us about the audition and then what happened from there. Um, so the audition was just held in a hotel in London and I was reading um, with the casting director for the role. And you know how casting directors very often give you nothing <laughs> and you're acting yeah. your face off. <laughs> and they're yeah. just giving you this really dry line back. Um but it was fine, you know, it was the same situation. You're just, I was in a room with loads of girls that looked quite like me waiting to go in. And I was like, I haven't got a hope. But I got the call. I've got a recall. This is very exciting. And then I went to Liverpool. And on that day, there was yeah. still quite a lot of us. I think there was about, uh, there was quite a lot of us. And through the day, they whittled us down, which was really mega. They whittled us down to about four people. And also I was being cast with some other people. So we were going to be the new students. So they were trying to match us up with people to see who fit together as a group, yep. um, which was really exciting. And at the end of that day, I remember going home back to London thinking, oh, my God, I could be in with a chance of this because we're down to four. Oh, my. Oh, my word. <laughs> anyway, about a week or so yeah. later, I'm like, obviously stalking my phone at this point just like ah, I need to hear find, find, find it finally checking your messages <laughs> yeah obsessed with my messages at this point <laughs> and then Amazing. Um, and then I got the call but it's not the call I'm really holding out for it's like there's another audition Zoe <laughs> like, ah, right, and, and yeah. another round so I had to go back up to Liverpool again which was fine and I thought it's okay we're down to four of us but no they'd open the net out again and there's suddenly like 25 of us were up for the role again and I'm like oh no this is really oh, wow. soul destroying <clears throat> and then um that day we did get whittled down again and then I had like a really painful wait and I remember I just started this new job and um and I was driving this the sort of like company car around various supermarkets checking whether this uh product was stashed in freezers correctly and and I had yeah. the top down of the car because it was like a convertible beetle or something and I'd slightly scraped it in a car park and I was like oh whoop <laughs> <laughs> and um hopefully nobody will notice that but I was having quite a nice day and thinking do you know what I could just probably carry on in this in this job and you know maybe just do that for a bit instead it's all fine I was trying to forget about it but then my agent called and he was like you've got the job I couldn't believe it. Wow. And I had to basically go move to Liverpool the next day. They were starting filming like on oh. the Monday. They wanted me up on the Friday just to like go around the shops, get uh, fitted up for costumes, uh, have makeup trials, 
get given millions of scripts. I couldn't believe it. It was like, it was just overnight. Like, this is your life now. That, that fast. You got the call and then you have to yeah. move right away. That's yeah. insane. I, rem- I remember that. And you were just like, I can't tell you too much. I'm just so going. Just to going Liverpool. extremely hungover to Liverpool today. <laughs> With all of my stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, that is just like an insane story, right? And then, so how do you go from, from you know, driving around this Beatle that day to the next day you're going on to one of the most popular um, you know, soaps on television uh, and your whole life really is going to change? Um, and how did you prepare yourself for that? Or did you kind of just go, you didn't really have time to prepare, you just been thrown into it and, and just take yeah, it as it comes? Yeah, totally. Um that's that's exactly it there was no time to prepare it was just like this is what you're doing now I was put up in a hotel for six weeks um while we I sorted out like renting a proper flat and stuff like that but yeah there was no time really at all I had time just to sort of look at the scripts it was straight into a massive kind of storyline as well there was a big dog explosion the dog in the pot pub in Hollywood it was going to explode my ex-boyfriend was going to die it was like immediate sort of high drama (laughs) I mean I look back at those scenes now I'm like oh my god they're not brilliant (laughs) you know being honest they're they're not brilliant I'm I'm very nervous clearly but um you know you, you just learn so much when you're there you did an amazing job and I think like my question to you is obviously not going not being used to obviously being in front of television or, or in that production of how it works, how quickly did you have to adapt and did you learn kind of uh, how that works on set and how it works with the script and everything? How did you adjust well, to that? Well, I think as um, actors and performers, we're really adaptable anyway, aren't we? And you're, you're constantly yeah. faking it till you, make, till you make it, right? So you're all right on set and you're like, yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> totally faking it. But, but Hollyoaks is such a well-oiled machine you know they've got everything they've got they've got everything in place this is how it works so you just have to fit in um but yeah, yeah i mean you you have to go from zero to 60 in like no minutes no seconds <laughs> and and you like I say you were very nervous but then you did obviously settle in and you became you know a regular character on there um and it's around four four years 2006 to 2010 i think yeah you Zoe, yeah correct? i did about three and a half years it was great so uh, when the de- was that a decision for you to leave or or was that your choice or did you get killed or like what happened? <laughs> I'm sure everyone says this, but it, it was actually my choice. I think after three and a half years, I was, I was just interested to see what else I could do. I was missing living in London, actually, with my friends. And I kind of thought, I, I mean, I could stay here and probably have a really nice time. But I felt like it was time to move on. I was getting itchy feet. Um so yeah. yeah, and and I had a really lovely storyline to end with, and and then yeah, and that was that. Well, that's amazing, and you you moved on from that. And I think we touched on earlier, then went on to kind of do some. It, it sounds like you say it's sounds amazing, but this is yeah. work that you've done. You did some, you know, comedy plays, uh, yeah. teachers, um, then say Lady Macbeth at the yeah. the Liverpool uh, Royal Court, um, and then a few yeah. other things, um, and and kind of how did you fall back into then writing uh, becoming a writer to be honest after Hollyoaks I found it really difficult (laughs) because uh, like a lot of people did know who I was at that point and um but I was still like I'm just going to go and get a normal job because there's not jobs coming out at me every five seconds I I was probably averaging like one contract a year you know like a, a couple of months doing a play a tour or something like that um but that's like 10 months when you're not doing anything and you have to survive and support yourself and I'd save some money from Hollyoaks but it wasn't going to last forever at all so um yeah so I just got a job in a bar and I could see the the more drunk people got (laughs) when they were drunk they'd be like are you Zoe from Hollyoaks and I'd be handing them their pint like which is fine and I I didn't really mind that but I sort of really hate the culture of and I and I feel like the media is a bit to blame for this of like look where they are now and how the mighty have fallen when you know as an actor you have to do anything in between jobs whether you've just been on telly or not um you know if you're not you're probably not a millionaire to be honest you know unless you're you know certain people are but if you've been in a soap you're not a millionaire you just yeah you've got to survive I think people have that 
preconceived idea that if you're on television, you know, you're a, you're yeah. a millionaire, you're yeah, totally. filthy rich. Um, totally. And I, I think, think that price of being in that and, you know, being a celebrity, I suppose for a while, like you say, you were very well known. I remember, you know, as a long-term friend of my son, you see like you on a, ca- oh, on a word, calendar um, and being like, <laughs> yes, Zoe, like this is amazing. Um, and how did you, you know, deal with suddenly you've gone from, you know, not, you know, being known to suddenly everybody does know I who think you I are. dealt with it by writing. Um, I wrote comedy because I found it really amusing as well that uh, here I am, I'm dressed as a princess at a children's party uh, and I've spent the last two hours <laughs> entertaining five-year-olds to then at the, at the last, in the last minute, some like um, the mum of a five-year-old has sent their kid over to ask me if I used to be in Hollyoaks. <laughs> I mean, soul destroying. <laughs> there I am with a wig amazing. and everything. Um but I, I turned it into comedy. I think that, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've always been quite comedic. You, even like when we were working the characters you play, you you're great at comedy. So I, I see that as a natural progression Thanks, for you, for sure. Sharon. You too. Very yeah, you always made me laugh. Well, <laughs> we, we, we did. did. Have, we did have many laughs. Um, I think that's amazing, though. That you know, I think a lot of people would struggle or they, they can't understand that you've gone from that to being able to go back to do um, other different routes of entertainment. And, you know, the foundation of it is, you know, we all need to still make a living. And, and in the industry, we do contracts. It's never really a full-time permanent, yeah. that's forever. We take contracts and we were, and it's try, trying to get people to understand how that, yeah, how that works. Yeah, it's such a weird weird world isn't it sometimes you're earning nice money and you're feeling quite stable but as soon as that contract ends you're like oh uh, what am I doing who am I what's my purpose (laughs) um so writing now uh, you're writing for Hollyoaks um for anybody that uh is interested in 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 writing they say they write a lot they're looking at maybe transitioning over could you talk us through maybe the process of how you even start to write a script uh, say for an episode of a show or any kind of script How's, well, what's the process, that process um, at Hollyoaks for example and I think this is the case for all long-running serials or soaps um, is that the storylines are all written by the storyliners because <clears throat> obviously there's five episodes a week they've all probably got different writers there's like 30 writers and we can't just be going like oh I think this happens in this episode and then that happens and then they die and then <laughs> um, it's got to be sort of streamlined and lots of stories have to weave together you have to know where each character is gonna end up in 18 months or in two weeks however long the storyline is um so the storyliners do this incredible job of just like the the writers will pitch story ideas every month and um the ideas that sort of end up on the board are the ones that are just weaved together and it's an amazing process so when you get commissioned to write a script you know exactly what needs to happen in it um but but okay. if you're writing your own stuff, I mean, the world is your oyster, really. Uh, I would just recommend watching lots and reading screenwriting books to see how it works. I, I, I'd had the benefit of being in Hollyoaks, so I knew exactly what a Hollyoaks script should be like. Um, so actually, yeah. I approached my producer, Brian Kirkwood, who um, he's such a wonderful man. He cast me as Zoe Carpenter in the first place. And then after a few years of feeling a bit sort of in the abyss and I'd been writing comedy and stuff and, you know, writing my own plays and whatnot, I just approached him and was like, how do I become a writer on Hollyoaks if that's a thing? I was really nervous to put myself out there, but I'm so glad I did. I felt completely out of my depth, but he really supported me and um, he gave me a trial uh, on on the writing team and and it worked out. And I've been writing on the team now um, on and off. I had a break when I had a, a kid, but um, for like six years. And from there, I've written on other shows. And it's really like, I feel very lucky again that I just had that connection. So I think my advice in that would be any connections you have uh, along the way. Yeah, absolutely use, use them. them. And <laughs> because they might just take a chance on you. They might just help you through the door a bit. You know, it's it's worth a, worth a shot. Yeah, I think some people, we always get scared to ask maybe people at the top sometimes, but those those people at the top have also been at the bottom and, were, you know, been through all of that. So uh, I think go for it, like you say, use those connections and, and yeah, ask. Yeah, agreed, really good point, yeah. 
What about um, being a writer? I know for me, I would probably really struggle to write or I'd go off on a tangent. And like you say, there would be mass explosions and then there'd be singing and dancing. The Spice Girls would be in it. It would be like so I'm crazy. always trying to get dance routines into, into my work. <laughs> is the myth um, of, say, writer's block, is that something that happens and how, how do you oh, overcome that? Oh, my word. That? Writer's block is real. I mean, sometimes... I'm just trying to write going like, what? I'm rubbish. I'm just like everything that comes out of my fingers is just dirge. No one's going to want to read this. But that's probably true. <laughs> but you're going to redraft and redraft and make it better and make it better. And, you know, and you might you might be pleased with the result yeah. in the end um, or never pleased with the result because we're artists. <laughs> Yes. So do you find you have to like just maybe take a break from it, come back or go and completely take your mind yeah. somewhere else? Well, to, well the good thing back. about, for example, writing Hollyoaks is there are such things as deadlines, which I really need deadlines because uh, nothing really gets done unless yeah. there's a, a massive deadline and the threat of being fired or kicked off your script or whatever. <laughs> um, so then you just have to write, even if it's just awful the stuff that you're writing you're just going oh no this is horrible just like vomit it out I say vomit it out and then you can go back and go okay it's not so bad but it definitely needs some work and you can just go through it and go through it and go through it but I really need deadlines it's hard to write when you've just got an idea and you've got something you want to explore if no one's paying you no one's saying can you get this to me by Monday it's very very difficult to carve out time to do that I've, I really struggle with that yeah I suppose you hear that with people when they're writing books um if they're you know there's no deadline they can it's taken years and years and years because they just keep putting it off or come back to it so that's really interesting yeah. to hear that yeah because so, you're like who is this for is, is anyone well, actually going to be bothered <laughs> no one's asked me to write this <laughs> yeah just my mom my mom's gonna read it well your mom I know is very very proud of you and I I remember I she shared a, a few of your episodes when you first started writing and we watched them and I remember being you know so proud of you of, of your journey that you come so you should be proud of yourself well done um is there been anyone along the way uh, that has really you know been influential throughout your career has helped you I know you spoke uh, right. about somebody at Hollyoaks that has really helped you be that professional you are today and, and what did they do to inspire you and help um, you um well Brian is de is definitely that person. Um, but I suppose making the seek from acting to writing did take a few conversations with different people. I remember I, I was doing a little bit of filming on a on a sort of daytime uh, TV show and I met a couple of um, actors who they're, they were a bit older than me, but they'd done a really similar thing. They'd been on soaps, they were doing bits and bobs, but they had also started writing. And um, one of them was uh, Tracy Brabin, who had been on Hollyoaks, had been on uh, Corrie, and, and she was also writing. And um, and I just was really keen to know how she'd make the jump. And she was just like, just do it, just do it. You know, she gave me a lot of confidence just to give it a try. And now she's actually an MP. <laughs> she's like do it, just doing incredible oh, wow. things. But yeah, she was definitely an influence. Um, yeah, otherwise it would be Brian for sure. And also, Mr. oh my Kundra goodness! Of course, Mister Kundra. I thought that went without saying. <laughs> of course, that's amazing, and I think it's key to uh, utilize, as we keep saying, those connections and people that you know they want to invest in you and help you. And it's great to be able to have somebody to guide and and nurture you and help you in the business. Really I think that's important. Um, any quick resources for someone that you could reel off if they like say writing is there any platforms they can look at or quick things to understand the writing process that they could resource right away from listening to this um, podcast well I don't really know about resources I mean I think the internet is, is very obvious but the internet is like a wealth of everything <laughs> but there's loads of writing com competitions particularly screenwriting competitions that I know about um, I think I would definitely go for the BBC Writers Room if I was sort of starting out again and yep. I didn't have like family obligations and whatnot. I definitely, they, they're such good programs and they've had really good success rates of people going on to write on massive shows or write their own shows. So I think really just if you're into writing, um, just have have your product, the thing that you think sells you. Maybe that's a script, maybe it's a a play and just get it out there enter it into things um, and that will also give you a deadline as well that, that you might find necessary mm -hmm. <laughs> which I understand no 
no, great. Um, and say for an, an actor, the transitions, say, from live theatre uh, to television acting. Um, I mean, for me, I would probably struggle to have a very expressive face unless I was in comedy. Like, what's the what's the hardest transition, uh, you would say, or, or the advice to move from, say, live theatre to television? Yeah. They are really, really different things. I suppose you do have to completely relearn. You have to be very small and very small movements and actions are key really for telly. You want it to be as natural as possible, which is probably against everything if you've been high kicking and singing and dancing and jazz handsing <laughs> up till that point, um, which I definitely <laughs> Yeah, because I, I remember when I was in Singapore, I was on a contract there for Universal Studios and I left there and I ended up doing a bit of kind of extra work. And I managed to get this tiny, small part on this um, Singaporean television program. Um, and I was like uh, a Westerner that was in this bar and had a couple of lines. That I got mad at the way this guy was treating this lady, basically. And I had to have this fight and then be like, what are you doing? And be like, really? And I was just terrible. I remember. And I, I just remember like the director being like, yeah, need to be like less, but more like be macho, but don't do all that stuff that you're doing. Because I, you know, if I was on the stage, I'd be like big action. So everybody can see. And I just remember thinking like, oh, <laughs> Oh, get me out of here! I'm like twelve twelve hours of filming, and I just the guy that the the actual star of the show was super, and we're great friends now still. But I can remember him just looking at me like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, it, it yeah, and then I kind of felt like he always say, they probably cut it anyway. So I, I was like, but I did. No, I did make it in, and I remember suddenly seeing on Facebook all these um, friends of mine and seeing, but like, I saw you on the TV. And I, was like, I was just like, oh no, <laughs> that is it's that's so funny. But I think it, that's exactly how I started out as well. To be honest, just a bit too big, a bit too, and it's not until you start seeing yourself on screen, which is only you know a couple of months later after you filmed it, you're like, oh no, I need to sort out this, this, and this. <laughs> so it's really learning on the yeah. job, but. Um... Yeah, unfortunately, what you've previously done is out there now forever. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I forgot the name of the show. I'm going to say it. I had awful, like, I thought it was cool at the time, but bleach blonde hair. I love and, that you know, bleach blonde hair, Darren. Weird. I did. wasn't quite right for the. Maybe that's why I never made it in soaps. I don't <laughs> Well, I think, like I say, that's great advice that you've given. Um, if you had a dream show to write for, what would um, it be? It would be my own show. Uh, yeah. God, you're so arrogant, yep. Zoe. <laughs> no, but that would be my dream, <laughs> to be honest, is to um, write my own show. I, I generally write quite autobiographical stuff and then put myself in it. <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, yeah. Right. But, nice. yeah, it would be my own thing. It would be sort of a comedy drama type thing you know and if there if there was um apart from yourself to be in it um if you had like a dream actor to bring to life one of your uh scripts that you've been working on your own uh, pro product who would that be is there anyone that you'd oh love to work goodness. with loads of people i mean i can't think of a single person in the world that exists now <laughs> that's one of those questions isn't it you're like oh uh, uh just say a name judy dench <laughs> <laughs> but um oh, there's loads of people there's so judy, loads of people. If judy just sounds like a very obvious one but um uh right i don't know that's fine you can uh you can when we connect again yeah. in the future you can think about it and we can let you know yeah. but for now it's just anyone, anyone, anyone. <laughs> that's awesome so your greatest professional achievement this far i think obviously you're still on such a journey you've come from a completely different background to where you are now and achieved i think great things um, what's what's been the most heartfelt for you and you've been like really proud of that i mean you're a mom and you're married i know that's a great thing but professionally um what's I, been your I greatest think that achievement this definitely has to do with um a storyline i was involved in one of my last storylines um at hollyoaks when i was an actor in it uh was the lesbian love triangle uh, which ended in a parachute yes. death a parachute murder actually so yes. what happened was I was in a lesbian love triangle ops and um Lydia this awful character hated me because she wanted to be with the the other girl more and so she snipped the old parachute lines uh, <laughs> but all the parachutes got mixed up blah 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 it was an amazing story and one of the characters died 
this isn't a spoiler this is about 12 years ago now uh, <laughs> yeah no so spoilers. basically we had to learn how to skydive for this for this to work and I was like oh my goodness this is amazing imagine like being paid to like learn how to skydive that's incredible the other two girls actually were like um no yeah. thanks they did they did one jump I think and were like no I'm not gonna yeah. do it um but I sort of trained every week to um learn how to properly jump out of plane pull my own parachute um just solo so I did wow. I did a few jump. I did about 13 jumps in total actually and every jump you do you're moving up the um the parachute sort of levels and you're doing different stuff and doing sort of spins in the air and then pulling your chute after an unstable exit and you're trying to fly which is you sort of move your hands and it was really really incredible truly one of the best things I've ever done but they wanted to film they wanted to have actual footage of of me jumping out the plane you know so it's definitely not a stunt person uh, because not many people do that right and not in soaps so I've been training well like Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise Tom Cruise of Hollyoaks. Um, <laughs> there we go, way back. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I'd been doing this for a number of weeks and we were about to start filming it. And the day before, the production manager called me in and was like, okay, Zoe, so we are going to film it tomorrow, but we're not going to film it with you because it turns out you're not insured. I was like, what? I've oh. just been doing this for weeks, like learning how to do it. Blah, blah, blah. He was like, I'm really sorry. There's been a massive mistake <laughs> we'll call it a mistake in polite terms and um and you're not sure we're gonna have to use stunt doubles so I was really gutted that we wouldn't be able to do this and um the guy that had been training me up he was like a proper red devil kind of guy he was always going out with his GoPro on his helmet and filming everything he was going to be the one that would be filming the stunt team so he filmed it all with the stunt team but yeah. then <clears throat> a few days later he was like look Zoe you can just you are a skydiver now why don't you just come to the to the drop zone the dz and um we'll do the jump that i did with the stunt girl and i'll just film you doing it and it, you're just doing it in your spare time doesn't matter about insurance you're just you know you're just doing it going back so i was like oh my gosh yeah. this is an amazing idea so we did it we did it all and he filmed it and then I, on the monday i went in with the footage and saw the director i was like yeah you might uh sliding it across the table you might be interested in uh, having a little watch of that <laughs> Anyway, he saw it and was like, oh, my God, we've got the footage. This is amazing. Anyway, and the, the final result was really, really, really epic. It was it was really good. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and it won best scene at the Soap Awards. And so I felt really proud of that. Yeah, I think you, you, you won. You won the, it was uh, Bruce yeah, that's for it. Spectacular that's it. Scene and of so the year. It was that scene. And I felt like Two... really proud. That... Yeah. That... <laughs> That's amazing. That is real. I mean, only you actually would go ahead and be like, I'm doing this and, and throw <laughs> yourself out of the plane. And a sort of a symbolic of life, isn't it? <laughs> and, and what a gr what a great thing, right? You went there as I an actor. You came out as a to parachute be honest, jumper. I haven't done it since. I think I lost my nerve. I mean, it's a completely horrifying thing to do. Going up in a plane, you're just like, I'm about to jump out of this. This is this is bad. What 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 about being nominated for the, the sexy speech <laughs> oh, in two thousand seven and eight? I was I was thinking I was thinking that might. No. Have been, you know, I mean, I found that really horrific to be honest. And like, what a different time! I mean, you just wouldn't have an award for that now, would you? I remember finding no, it excruciating. I was just like, oh no! And you know when they they have the camera on you when. Yeah you know they're going to who actually won for the reactions of all the people who didn't win I found all that just awful I was like I wanted to say I don't even want to win this stupid award <laughs> right it's insane when I when I was reading earlier to to read that that was a thing like sexiest female category like yeah. just crazy um thank yeah. good yeah. thank goodness we've moved on um it's so awesome talking about all these stories. We are coming towards the uh, the end of this podcast. I just want to ask you a couple more things uh, before I let you go and get back to your busy life uh, and and right away. I don't want to do any writer's block here. Um, if there's any advice that you could give or you'd have known before you started out, so before you began in the industry, whether that be you know back in the early days or moving into television, if you'd have known before you started, that may have been beneficial to you or the advice I you would give to I somebody. I wish I'd known that I had time. Because I remember when I was sort of 18, 19, 20, early 20, like, or just generally, 
I was always like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to be here by that point or it's all it's all going to like be for a waste. I definitely didn't want to go to university when I was 18 and then go to drama school after that because I was like, no way, that's too much time. But on reflection, I should have done that. I should have done yeah. a proper course at university in anything like English or anything, uh, done something a bit more proper perhaps. And then you know, you can come to acting and performing later on, like when you're 21 or when you're 25, that is, it's not too late. You could still get into, into the industry then. But I think I was yeah. just terrified I would miss out. But you've got plenty of time. So just chill. Don't worry. So yeah. Wish you'd known that you've got the time. Yeah, that's that's great. So like for anybody wanting to get into the enter- entertainment industry at all, um, if you can give like, say, three three words or just some advice of of what you would what you would give to them to be able to be successful or you know be confident going in that knowing that they can have a career a lifelong career in the um, uh, industry i would say uh i i would just say just go for it uh you know you if you've got the skills yeah. or you think you've got the skills then you probably have got the skills because self confidence is like the main thing um then knock on the doors go for it don't be afraid to stop if if it's burning you out um you know there's plenty of time just chill you'll you'll be great yeah yeah perfect yeah I think that's great advice just go for it and I think I wish I'd have been a bit more like that back in the day like yes I seemed confident was going for things but I really felt like if I had more confidence I could have you know pushed myself a bit further in the early days so I think that's great do push they are the ones that are getting the jobs right you have to put yourself out there even if you find it really awful um yeah it's it's tricky though you have to work on yourself a bit in the process I think don't you like from from a point of um view of uh sort of self-help self-care self-therapy in a way yeah and and making sure you're the you're the best at what you can do the best of your capabilities so when you do get those opportunities you know you just give it everything you've got and if it doesn't happen you know that you've given it everything you've got and then you just you know move on to the next one but I think when you don't give it everything you've got you think oh I could have done that better I should have done that that that's when you start to feel like oh but when you know that you're giving it everything and you still don't get that job it's fine maybe that wasn't for you yeah perfect well zoe it's been absolutely fantastic to listen to all of your stories um a big smile yeah. on my face listening and reminiscing uh, oh and i'm glad God, i got to be a part of that journey great. along the way oh, I love you, Darren. yeah it was awesome i hope everybody has really enjoyed this and can take away uh some real insight into the industry and, and what you can achieve uh from starting out you know as a singer and dancer to now writing for Hollywood. so amazing amazing thank you, so thank you very much zoe take care and stay safe and uh thanks for joining us on industry insights thanks again for joining me on industry insights with dpds it's been a pleasure having you we will see you next week for our next episode where i'll be interviewing more entertainment industry professionals sharing their stories until then you can follow me on instagram facebook and all the links will be provided in this podcast until then enjoy your morning afternoon or evening and most of all stay safe